Good morning. It's always an honor and a gift to be with my friends here. It's been a while, and I must confess, I've, I've forgotten some of the Presbyterian way, and so it's taken a lot of hand-holding this morning and extra prayers. And, you know, David had it right when he said that we had the B team this morning. Um, I'm more like the C team. If my preaching is anything like my college basketball career, I was... <laughs> I was the one that they put in with the foreign exchange students who didn't speak a lick of English, didn't run plays, and we were losing by 50 with five minutes left. And so uh, anyway, uh, we're looking this morning at wool, wilderness, and the way. And I really struggled with this passage and not because it's some complex, deep passage, but frankly, because it's so familiar. I mean, the word really does speak for itself. And so when you're the one giving the message, there's a high responsibility and pressure to rightly divide the word of God. And this idea of Jesus as our good shepherd is so familiar, we can think and say, oh, yes, dumb sheep, good shepherd, I'm good to go. But in this text, we see a sharp contrast between two buffets, if you will. What we are offered as God's children. Jesus in John 10, 1 through 10, identifies himself as the good shepherd and as the gatekeeper. So we have essentially a bunch of wool, a vast wilderness and the way the wool or sheep have two choices to be led into a vast wilderness where wide is the path and many take it or to follow our good shepherd into green pastures where the path is narrow and few indeed find it. We're going to look at three things today. The first, by what authority does Jesus speak of these things, especially in the midst of so many false shepherds? Why does he, in fact, identify himself as the good shepherd and the gatekeeper? Second, what are the choices offered to us as God's children? And last, what will be the results of those choices? First, authority. This is not the first scripture where Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. We see it in Psalm 23, what we read earlier this morning. In 1 Peter 2.25, in Psalm 95.7, Isaiah 40 verse 11, and others. This idea of leaders being referred to as shepherds is a motif found all throughout scripture. The patriarchs were shepherds as were Moses and David. In fact, there are still shepherds today over in the Middle East. I watched hours of video yesterday of shepherds leading their sheep. (laughs) Doesn't get much more exciting than that. You might live in St. Angelo if and when. But by what right does Jesus have the authority to claim himself as the good shepherd? Our answer is actually found in verse 11. I'm going to read this morning from the ESV. It says this in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus claims to be the good shepherd because he is the one, in fact, who laid down his literal life for the sheep. Have you a friend who has laid down their lives for you? Who has excused your every selfish choice? Who has never given up on you? Who has been patient with you in your sin and wandering? We just celebrated this mere weeks ago and and we still celebrate it. Easter or Resurrection Sunday is not a one-time event on a liturgical calendar. It's an everyday awakening as God's children that Jesus is who he said he was and he's done what he said he would do, which gives us the confidence for tomorrow that he will be the same. Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday that he will be tomorrow. That old familiar song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Jesus is our good shepherd. Now to understand this within the context, we need to understand something about the sheepfolds from back in Bible times. They didn't have fancy ranches with the solar powered gate that swung open. Um, They didn't have the tractors and the Palmer feed store. They had the vast wide open. And and frankly, the terrain looked much like the terrain of West Texas in the season of no rain. Rocky, hard to find good pasture. But the sheepfolds were actually constructed of rock walls and they were in the shape of like a U. Yeah, a U. I had to check my alphabet. And there would be one small narrow opening in which the sheep would come in and the sheep would go out. Now, this brings into play where Jesus identifies himself as the gatekeeper. Because the shepherd at night, before sunset, and they still do this before sunset, to ensure that their flock would be safe from predators, wolves, they would lead their flock into the sheepfold. The shepherd at night would literally lay down in the opening. Preventing predators from coming in and and sheep from going out. What mattered most was not the comfort or sleep rhythm of the shepherd, but the security and safety of the flock. The crooks and thieves, the ones with bad intentions, they would hop the wall, cut the sheep's throat, removing its voice, and then carelessly throw the sheep body over the wall and take off with their winnings. Again, a stark contrast between our enemy and our good shepherd. Choices. Only the good shepherd knows how to meet the needs of his sheep. Sheep are dumb. They don't know where to find good water. And they can't even access the water if on a lucky day they stumble upon it. The water was in deep wells. They would need a shepherd with a bucket and a rope to pull up that clean water for them to drink. Sheep without water will die. Sheep don't know where to go to look for good grazing land. But the shepherd knows. Whom to follow? We have a choice. Will we follow the voice of our shepherd or the voice of the enemy? 
It's interesting if you pull up any videos on modern day shepherding in the Middle East, the shepherds will constantly be talking to the sheep. And it's not like we talk to our dogs. Don't act like you're not one of those, right? This morning, bye, 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 love you. Have a great day. I'll be home after church. Probably doesn't understand a lick of it, but it makes me feel better, right? They're not like, oh, Ralph, your wool's looking a little rough this morning. How about some lotion, you know? But they make these, like, sounds. They make these sounds. And it's fascinating because literally this entire flock of sheep will follow their shepherd. And sometimes in the sheep folds at night, there would be several flocks together. And so are they marked with a tag? Are they um, engraved with the, the ranch hand symbol? No, they're just a bunch of sheep. Hey, Johnny, I think this one's yours. You know, it wasn't like that. What would happen is the shepherd would stand in the middle and make his call and his flock would come to him. And this idea of communication, this idea of sheep knowing the shepherd's voice is the idea of fellowship. The sheep have fellowship with their shepherd. Where to graze? Another choice. The wilderness looks alluring. The way of the world is attractive. Climb the corporate ladder, stock up, save up. Do what's best for me. Chase the name, chase the platform, chase the power, chase the position. And a way of Christ is vastly different. It's the upside down kingdom. Die to self. Take up your cross. Follow me. If someone takes this, give them that. Bless those who curse you. Forgive those who do you wrong. It's not very attractive to our flesh. But where will we graze? The wilderness that looks alluring where many follow wide as the path and many take it. And following the way, the way of Christ is often wrought with loneliness. Just you and the shepherd. Is Jesus enough for you? Our next choice, whom to trust Will we trust our good shepherd, Jesus, or will we trust the enemy? Following our shepherd allows us to have a voice. In fact, we've talked about how intimately aware the sheep were with their shepherd's voice. And how does the sheep know his voice? Again, a constant communication and fellowship. But notice when you follow the enemy, the first thing to go is your voice. There is no true fellowship with the enemy, only murmurings and lies. And what are the results of our choices? Good shepherd, enemy. With the shepherd, I am known. Shepherds use their staff to investigate their flock. Separating their thick wool from their bodies, they look for cuts wounds or abrasions that needed attention. The staff was not used for some punitive whack-a-mole or whack-a-sheep from an overly tired shepherd. Rather, it was used to bring attention to that which needed healing. I am known, every part of me, the deepest part of me, 
I am known. And Jesus is not repulsed from knowing me. He's not put out by my failures or offended by my shortcomings. He's not afraid of my brokenness or the sores that ooze. It was years ago, I was in Haiti, and I was there to rescue a little girl, and a plan fell through, of course. So I've depleted our two-week snack supply. I had a friend with me in three days, and we were hungry, and we had no toys, and we were in an orphanage every day, and I've been on 50 mission trips. I've, I've done it all, and it was, we were at the bottom trying to figure out what to do, surrounded by 60 orphans in a place that smelled horrible and was hot. And there's this little boy, they called him Nono, and all he wanted was to sit on my lap. And I didn't hold him. Why? Because I was wearing my favorite shirt, and his head was covered in sores that were oozing. And I refused to hold that little boy because I was afraid of my favorite shirt getting stained. The shepherd is not afraid of your oozing sores. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He wants to tenderly touch that place that bleeds and is broken. That place where you haven't allowed anyone else to go. That's how much our good shepherd loves us. In contrast, if we choose to trust and follow the enemy instead of being intimately known and deeply cared for, if I don't trust and follow the good shepherd, then I am a target, a means to an end. With the shepherd, I am named. I love that on God's hand is my name engraved. Spelled correctly, as is yours. In contrast, without the good shepherd, I am accused and mocked, condemned. With the shepherd, I am led. I am led into green pastures where I will find rest, nourishment, and security, and one willing to lay down his life for me. He'll do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. With the enemy, I am led into a vast wilderness of sin and death in which the moment danger shows up, I am abandoned and left for dead. With the shepherd, I am secure. Without the shepherd, my best interest is not a factor at all. We have a good, good good shepherd and we have a very real enemy whom you listen to whom you trust whom you follow will ultimately determine your destiny and it's more so than just waking up in the morning and saying Jesus I choose you and I trust you we have given the enemy a foothold with the things that we listen to and the things that we watch and the company we keep and the things that we read because it's not this. 
Some of us are more politically aware than we are spiritually aware to the great battle that's taking place in the heavenlies above our heads. And and we're completely clueless as to what's really going on. The war that is being raged, not only for your soul, but for the souls of others. It's a choose your own adventure, but with very real consequences. Will you choose the way less traveled? I chose a way less traveled at the age of eight, 33 years ago, almost 34. There's been a lot of unspeakable joys, incredible mountaintop moments, traveling the world and sharing the good news of Jesus. And there's been a lot of valleys of heartache, disappointment, loneliness. But even as just last summer, I watched my older sister take her last breath. On this side of eternity, I can still say in the deepest place of my heart that Jesus, my good shepherd, has been so faithful, so kind, so good, so with me every step of the way. He has been a good, good shepherd, and he will continue to be. I am in really, really good hands. In the last 33 years, through all my wandering and pursuit of self and idolization of self and through all my selfish pride and sin and doing what I want to do without any thought or regard to anyone else, Jesus has been so kind, so faithful, so tender, so patient. He is a good Good shepherd. My favorite verse in all of Scripture is in the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verse 13. It says this I am confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The New King James Version says it this way I would have lost heart, except that I believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't care what the news reports say or what my friends say or what the stock market does. I am in good hands and my pasture is green. My shepherd knows what he's doing. But will I trust? Will I yield? Will I surrender? He's faithful. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. Choose your own path. One leads to life. One leads to death. There's a song that has been my anthem in this last year called The Goodness of God. And there's a verse that goes like this. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire and darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Only those who have truly trusted and followed the shepherd can sing that with confidence. When the sky looks black and the storm clouds roll in, 
and you got the diagnosis you didn't want and all have turned their backs on you and walked away. I have lived in the goodness of God. Jesus is our great shepherd. If you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, can I encourage you to find someone? Find me, let us talk to you about that. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus, thank you for being my strong shepherd, for leading me into pastures that are green for my nourishment. God, for leading me to the still waters to drink. God, thank you that because of you and your steadfastness and your kindness and your goodness and your faithfulness, I can lay down and rest. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.